Welcome back to Indiana is Ag plus Bio plus Science, presented by Agrinovis Indiana and Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick, the host of this weekly podcast where we talk about the convergence of food, agriculture, science, and technology, and the impact it is having in so many ways on the state of Indiana and beyond. This week, we are very pleased to have with us John McDonald, John, the founder and the CEO of Clear Object, an IoT company based in Fishers, Indiana, doing some great things, John. Uh, and I know you have some big news you want to share here in a moment, but welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Gary. Thanks. Uh, first of all, Clear Object. You started the company as Cloud One. That's right, right? back in 2010. Okay, talk mm-hmm. about, give us uh, the model and kind of the evolution uh, of Clear Object and what the company is all about. Well, back in the beginning, what we were doing is helping companies put software into things. Think like engine control systems or car radios, that sort of thing. We still do that. But along the way, some of those companies started asking us if we could help them collect data from those devices, not just put the software in them, but sort of round trip the information back to them. Uh, We did some projects for some Indiana companies that were so successful, it kind of lit the way for us and saying, hey, this is really where the future is going, is helping companies collect and analyze that data, make sense of it, and then help them monetize it. Uh, So much so that along the way, we decided to change the name of the company uh, from Cloud One to Clear Object to build a brand in that space. And then recently, I had a chance to change out the investors in the company yeah. for uh, for new ones who are really excited about that future. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, an acquisition made big news uh, here in Indiana. Uh, talk about uh, what happened. Yeah, well, you know, when you get to a certain stage of a company, uh, it becomes more difficult to bring venture capital in over the top of the other people that have put venture capital in. They would just prefer you put your head down and made money and not bring more in and dilute them. Mm-hmm. So you're left with a choice as an entrepreneur about what you want to do. And frequently, that means you sell out the company to some uh, larger organization, strategic buyer. Uh, for us, though, we didn't want to go anywhere. We wanted to keep being Clear Object, and I want to keep running Clear Object. And we were really looking for an investor that kind of liked what we were doing, who would be willing to replace those investors uh, and who were excited about this data-driven future. And we found them in the form of, of two, uh, two private equity firms from out east that uh, were excited to have aboard our team as our financial partners going forward. When we hear the term Internet of Things or IoT, uh, I mean, it's everywhere, yet I, my, my, my take is, or my feeling is, very few people understand what IoT is all about. Yeah. What, what is kind of a layman's or simple terms definition or description of, of IoT? Yeah. Well, data is the great creator and destroyer of all business value going forward, which sounds like an audacious statement, but you can read a lot on that topic and test me and see if I'm right about that. Mm-hmm. So the name of the game for companies that are making, moving, or growing things is they have to create a data product, a digital product that right now they're using to differentiate the physical product in the marketplace, but in time might become the product in the marketplace, particularly if they get very good at uh, monetizing that data stream for interesting new ways. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we're an agency that helps companies uh, discover what that digital product should be, uh, develop it, and then run it for them uh, Mm -hmm. so that they can get at that data and monetize it in their own unique way. Yeah. Ellie Sims is the CEO of the B Corp, Uh, was on uh, one of our earlier uh, editions of this podcast. She's an Indiana ag bioscience entrepreneur, really using IoT to monitor beehive Mm -hmm. health. Very Mm -hmm. interesting uh, model. Uh, Can you talk about, and that's just one example of that intersection and how IoT and and agriculture, the ag biosciences, how they they merge and can be 
pretty powerful. As a matter of fact, not only powerful, but there's an opportunity for us in Indiana to differentiate. And a lot of the industries where these digital products are being built are important to Indiana and important in has passed, but we've in some ways missed the boat, right? There's well over 25 different autonomous vehicle projects underway, uh, which plan to deliver products to us in just a few short years, none of which are running in Indiana. Not good for a a state that was built on the automotive industry, at least in large part. But in the agriculture space, there isn't a clear leader right now. Certainly, there are some things going on by the large companies like the John Deere's of the world and autonomous tractors and the like. But when you look at the farm field today, it's effectively a factory floor that just happens to be outside, Uh, one that in reality is very poorly instrumented. Uh, We take pictures of the field before the season to be able to program our planters from the air, and then we have a flap on the back end of the combine that measures how much corn we're picking up as it rolls over at the end of the season. And those are really the two primary data points that we get. And if you applied that uh, to any other industry, it's sort of ridiculous. It'd be like if you wanted to measure how well you did making cars all summer. You'd go into your factory before you started the first shift on April 1st, take a picture of the factory floor, and then wait until after everyone leaves for the last shift on October 31st and take a second picture, and by comparing the two pictures, decide how well you did making cars, which sounds ridiculous, except that's kind of what we're doing. And so what we need to do is focus on ways that we can differentiate not only Indiana's farmers, but Indiana on the global stage by helping companies, organizations, and individual farms uh, tech up, but more importantly, get at that data that's sitting right out there in the middle of their factory floor. Talk a little bit more about this momentum. We hear a lot about it in the ag biosciences. Uh, I remember, I think it was 2017 at the Agronova Summit, uh, uh, I uh, joined you and others in discussing cross-sector collaborations. And and you look at CTB and their grain handling and monitoring systems, Red Gold uh, and logistics, Bex Hybrids that you mentioned, which is an unbelievable company, the R&D that they do um, at at Bex. How do you see Indiana really leading in this IoT movement in ag? Well, you know, uh, farmers would be no surprise to them when you talk with them or people in the agriculture business or entrepreneurs too. building successful businesses and businesses that unlike uh, just like every other business are increasingly dependent on technology and increasingly dependent on an ecosystem of providers that can help them uh, with that innovation that they desperately need to differentiate. So organizations like uh, BioCrossroads as an example and other things, Agronovis, other great stuff that's going on in our in our state to bring different companies together and help them work together are so critical uh, to getting those collaborations that move the move the ball forward innovation. But it's important to understand that there are still some barriers to this. Um, you know, for instance, getting data is important, as we talked about already. But if I'm, uh, you know, any more than five or six miles east or west of a freeway or 10 miles outside of a major town, I might as well be on Mars when it comes to getting the data that I need to be able to, to do that. So rural broadband and all of the uh, historic words that have been expended on that um, are still a critical, critical issue for us. If you can't bring the data stream in from the field, you you might as well not even be bothering with it, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have the very geographically dispersed set of companies in our state. Um, we've got really cool pockets. You mentioned some of those really great companies, but they're not in close proximity to each other. You know, CTB is way up in northern Indiana. you got what uh, Kip Tom is doing in the northwestern part of the state, Bex Hybrid 
includes northern Hamilton County. There's a, a significant geographical uh, distances between these companies, which creates uh, in, impedances in their ability to collaborate. So mm-hmm. I think we can work together on communication and collaboration mm-hmm. uh, even more than we've already done by some of these great organizations. The rural broadband issue is is a, a broader issue, certainly for the state, and a lot of people are talking about it. I think Governor Holcomb has maybe $100 million in this, this mm-hmm. next budget, uh, biennium budget, to deal with rural broadband. Right. Um, it, I assume this is not going to happen overnight. What's your outlook? Do you think the state is doing the things mm-hmm that need to be done to, to address that issue? Uh, I think that certainly everything that they can do to help. But in the in the end, what we're talking about is that uh, old issue that's frequently called the last mile. It's very easy or very economically advantageous to pull the fiber cables to the local city or town. But getting it to the five miles or the last mile outside of town becomes economically prohibitive. So uh, we frequently look to govern governments to help us with that problem. Uh, with all of the uh, pros and cons that come with that. Uh, Sometimes cities try to address that issue, but cities have a problem where their ability to get capital assets is nearly unlimited through bond issues, but their ability to get expense dollars, aka run those systems when they're put in, is very limited because that's really about taxation. And so ultimately they can put in the systems, but they're very challenged in running them. In the end of the end, though, what we need to do is figure out ways to get the landowners themselves economically in the game. And to illustrate that point, if I were to build two uh, apartment buildings right next to each other, uh, otherwise equal in every way, except the apartment building on the left had uh, high-speed internet in every apartment, and the one on the right had no internet at all, we would say that the apartment on the left was more valuable than the apartment on the right. And it probably meant that the apartment builder had to take out a bigger construction loan to be able to put that in, but created ultimately more value. So what we need to do is figure out ways to help the landowners themselves unlock the value of their land in order to make it internet connected. Uh, That could be low interest or no interest loans, sort of like a mortgage, if you will, on the value Mm -hmm. of the land for the purposes of making it connected and therefore more valuable. Ultimately, those market forces are the ones that will overcome that last mile problem much more than any single company or government agency would ever do. Final question, uh, as you look to the future, you know, the next five to 10 years uh, and beyond, what would you like to see happen? You're very active and a leader uh, in the state's technology movement in, in creating an agenda and executing that at the state house uh, and beyond. You, you mentioned rural broadband and some of the challenges. As you put it all together, a lot of assets here, certainly. What do you see as the future for uh, the ag biosciences in Indiana uh, going forward? It's the kids in rural Indiana. Uh, if you aren't uh, going to go to Purdue and get a degree or the local mill closed a few years ago, local auto body shop ain't hiring. To be fair, you might have a very bleak outlook on the rest of your life, which a lot of us in the tech business think is one of the rootkit problems of our opioid problem in this state. But you know, that kid with the proper training and a high-speed internet connection could be a coder, uh, could go to work at a company like mine, or more importantly, could go to a company to work more local to their or uh, to where they live. And so what we've got to do is not only see this as a problem of rural broad band or or, you know, getting people involved in the tech center, or companies involved in technology and data, creating those data streams, we got to see that our future is actually turning our state into a brain engine right there locally, uh, everywhere we go. And uh, more needs to be done there to bring all those kids aboard this uh, future data-driven economy in agriculture. 
Always a pleasure chatting with you, John McDonald. Great Thanks, insights, uh, as always. John is the CEO of Clear Object, a company recently acquired, but already in hiring mode, right, mm-hmm. uh, to bet. continue to grow right here in Indiana. Thanks for your uh, your insights into the ag biosciences and for joining us uh, on this season two of Indiana is Ag plus Bio plus Science. It's a weekly production partnership between Agronovus Indiana and Inside Indiana Business, and we're so happy that you joined us this time around. Thanks for joining us this time. I'm Gary Dick. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick, produced by Libby Fritz and Joe Ullery, and was recorded on location at Launch Fishers. More people get Indiana Business news from Inside Indiana Business than any other source.